like you to take your copy of God's Word together this morning and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. I hope you have your Bibles this morning. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Albert Lee writes, My friend declared as he tried to keep a straight face, I'm so proud of my humility. (laughs) He says, that reminds me of the joke about the leader who was given an award for his humility. (laughs) Because he accepted the award, it was taken back the following week. (laughs) Humility. How do you know when you have it? Don't answer that question. (laughs) Just a word to the wise. Do not answer that question. We've been learning in Philippians chapter 2 that unity among believers in the church is to be a prominent characteristic of God's people. And we're seeing that for there to be unity, there must be the presence of humility in the lives of God's people. Charles Spurgeon said, the Apostle Paul knew that to create concord, you need first to beget lowliness of mind. Men do not quarrel when their ambitions have come to an end, when each one is willing to be least, when everyone desires to place his fellows higher than himself. There is an end to party spirit. Schisms and divisions are all passed away. As we prepare to look at Philippians chapter 2 this morning, we're going to look at verses 5 through 8, and we can see, if you even glance at verse 5, I'm going to read these verses in just a moment, but if you glance at verse 5, we can see that Paul knew by the teaching of the Holy Spirit that to have unity as believers, our minds need to be fixed on the proper model of humility. Paul says in verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And so Paul takes us to Christ. We've seen it here in these early verses of Philippians 2. Humility is an absolute necessity for unity in the body of Christ. And now Paul says, Jesus Christ is your example. Jesus Christ is the one you follow in this. Again, Charles Spurgeon says, Paul wishes to unite the saints in Philippi in the holy bonds of love. To do this, he takes them to the cross. Beloved, there is a cure for every spiritual disease in the cross. There is food for every spiritual virtue in the Savior. We never go to Him too often. He is never a dry well or a vine from which every cluster has been taken. We do not think enough of Him. We are poor because we do not go to the gold country which lies round the cross. We are often sad because we do not see the bright light that shines from the constellation of the cross. The beams from that constellation would give us instantaneous joy and rest if we perceived them. If any lover of the souls of men would do for them the best possible service, he would constantly take them near to Christ. 
Paul is always doing so, and he is doing it here. And so when we hear Paul saying in verse 5 from our passage that believers are to have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. He's showing us the model for humility. Seen in Jesus Christ. We're to follow Christ. The New American Standard Bible puts it this way. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And beloved, for there to be unity in the midst of God's people, there must be humility flowing from the lives of God's people. From our hearts, from our minds, from our lips, from our hands, from our feet, in the way that we serve, in the way that we do our work, in the way that we live our lives, there should be humility flowing from the lives of God's people. We're to have the same attitude that Jesus had when He came to this earth, born as a baby, in lowly estate, not born in a palace. We would write the story that way. Bring Jesus, put Him in a palace. It's not how He came. And He lived as a man in human flesh. And I don't, don't think we grasp how Jesus lowered Himself God to put on human flesh. We think we're so great. And yet, compared to divinity, compared to God, we need only get old to realize that we're not much. You start getting a little bit older and things start falling apart. And it gets harder to walk around the block than it used to be. And it gets harder to do the things that you didn't even think about when you were younger. Ask me how I know. Jesus, God, in human flesh. But that's not all. He then died like a criminal, treated like a criminal, hung on a cross. Not for any wrong he had done. He did it for sinners. And we are called to the same kind of humility that Christ displayed through his life, which was lived in complete submission all the way to an obedient sacrifice unto death on a cross. Do we even know what that kind of humility looks like in our lives? Beloved, Jesus is our guide. And so there's hope for us. If you're a follower of Christ, not only do you have Him as your guide, you have Him as your comforter. You have the Holy Spirit who dwells in you to help you know what this kind of humility should look like in your life. We're called to the same kind of humility that Christ put on. 
when he put on human flesh. Jesus is our guide and our model. And as we continue in Philippians 2 today, we're going to find that we're being shown in the model of Christ three biblical principles for practicing humility as followers of Christ. We need these biblical principles. We need this instruction from God's Word so that we can know the answer. What does humility look like? How do you know when you've got it? And we shouldn't be too concerned about knowing when we've got it, but we but we should be concerned about knowing how to get there. Three biblical principles for practicing humility as followers of Christ. I want you to see in verses 5 through 8 this morning. Here's what they are, and here's what we'll see here. First of all, Jesus Christ models humility for us through his surrender, and then secondly, his servanthood, and thirdly, his sacrifice. Those are the three things I want you to look for in the text. But I want to begin reading in verse 4, where we left off last Sunday. So look at the text with me. Verse 4, Philippians chapter 2. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then in verses 5 through 8, Paul says, here's how to learn to stop looking out only for yourself. Here's how to grow in humility. Verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. If you're wondering what humility looks like, says Paul, then look to Jesus. If you're going to look out for the interests of others, follow the example of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is saying in verse 5. And then in verse 6, he shows us this first key to humility from our model, Jesus Christ. Surrender. Note it. Surrender. We see it in verse 6. Paul says of Jesus in verse 6, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So consider that we are to lower ourselves as Jesus Christ lowered himself. And this is a reminder that we won't really know what humility is until we see how low Jesus stooped to humble himself for our sake. Jesus came to earth in human flesh, fully God, but fully man. And verse 6 says, he was in the form of God. What does that mean? He was in the form of God. Warren Wearsby says that the word form means the outward expression of the inward nature. This means that in eternity past, Jesus Christ was God. Let's say it this way. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus himself made that clear when he spoke these words in John 10.30. I and the Father are God. One, Jesus Christ is God. 
And so this phrase from Philippians 2.6, form of God, it refers to the deity of Jesus Christ. He is God. And also in verse 6, we see his deity affirmed in the phrase equality with God. And he is equal with God because he is God. But it says here that Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, Jesus is equal with God. But he did not cling to that right. He did not cling to that. He did not grasp hold of that right and refuse to humble himself when called upon by God the Father to humble himself. He did not refuse, like the child refusing to let go of the toy. Instead of selfishly clinging to the rights and privileges that he possessed, and he possessed rights and privileges as God, Jesus Christ surrendered those rights and privileges. And he did so willingly. They did not have to be pried from his hands. And as followers of Christ, if we're to have the same attitude as Christ, we must learn to do the same as Christ. Trouble is, we are human. In all of our humanness, And we don't have, and we tend to forget this, we don't have the same rights and privileges that God does, that Jesus Christ does as God. And there are times when we forget that we're not God. We are not God. We do not have the rights and privileges of of God, and yet God chose to put on flesh came as a man and willingly surrendered those rights which were fully his. Did not demand his rights which were fully his. And we are being called by the Bible, by God's word, to model our lives after Christ's humility and his willing to let go of those things that were his rights. There are times when we forget that we're human. And we don't have the same rights that God does. We don't have the same privileges that God does. And yet, we find ourselves all the time demanding our rights. We have these certain inalienable rights, we say. As Americans, we have rights and privileges. And God's word says, you are an alien in a strange land. Don't forget, believer, that you are a citizen of heaven. And citizens of heaven willingly relinquish their felt rights. Those things that we feel like are ours, are our rights. The things that we feel like we're justified in demanding for ourselves. We also have to deal with living in a culture that tells us that we should demand our rights, teaches us that we should demand our rights, that we we have the right to rights. 
to demand those rights and to make sure that you're getting what you deserve. When in all truth, if we got what we deserved, how pitiful we would be. But God is gracious and sends His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to relinquish His rights for our sake. Just think about it. Jesus surrendered His rights and privileges. Jesus surrendered His rights as Lord of the universe to come to earth. The splendor and glory of heaven to come to earth where things are in decline. Where things are falling apart and people are falling apart. Evidenced by the fact that people crucified God the Son like a criminal. And so God is showing us here in the Bible that if we're going to look out for the needs of others, if we're going to get our eyes off of ourselves and consider carefully the needs of others and see to helping those around us for God's glory so that the Gospel will be advanced in the culture in which we live, God is showing us here in the Bible that if we're going to look out for others as we should, we must follow the example that Jesus set for us. For there to be unity in God's church, we must learn to be willing to surrender our rights as Jesus did. Now we could get this wrong. And if each of us is selfishly clinging to our supposed rights, refusing to surrender for the good of others, there will be no unity in the church. And we will sully the name of Christ. And we will not be a part of advancing the gospel of Christ as God intends. And so we must look to Jesus as our model We must follow His example, learning humility through the surrender of self for the sake of the needs of others and for the unity of God's people and for the sake of the Gospel being advanced. Because in this world, we ought never forget that we have the only answer. We have the only answer for this society and culture that is falling over themselves looking for the answers. We have the only answer to forgiveness of sins. We have the only answer to new life in Christ. We truly have the only answer to life and joy and happiness and contentment. It is found only through faith in Jesus Christ. And our humility is to promote our unity and our unity is to advance and propel the gospel from our lives into this world in which we live for the sake of a dying world. And so humility is to be an identifying characteristic of God's people that's seen in God's church, that's seen in the homes where believers reside, that's seen in the schools where believers attend, that's seen in the neighborhoods where believers in Jesus Christ live. And we learn humility through surrender. Now the second biblical principle that leads to humility is found in verse 7. It is this, servanthood. 
surrender and then servanthood, Paul says here that Jesus did not demand his rights. Look at verse 7 again. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Jesus Christ, who is fully God, became fully man. And Jesus emptied himself, but that does not mean he emptied himself of his deity. He did not stop being God. Colossians 2.9 makes it clear that Jesus is still fully God and was when he came and humbled himself and walked this earth. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. So no, Jesus did not stop being God, but he did empty himself of self-interests, of rights and privileges. And he did it not just living here among us. He went even further, but even taking the form of a servant. Christ was fully God and fully man, and as a man, he came to serve. Jesus said of himself in Matthew 20, Verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve and that looked like a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice. So Jesus, as our model of humility, teaches us that humility is being willing to serve to meet the needs of others. And we could back this all the way up, back to the Gospel again and say, what is the most basic need of this world? People who live in this world, what's their most basic need? They need Jesus Christ. And yet, all around us are all kinds of different needs. And we see them, and we attend to some of them. And I praise God that as a fellowship, as a body of believers, we're concerned about some of the physical needs of people. But everything that we do is driven by this, the basic need for mankind to reconcile with a holy God. They need the Gospel. And everything we do ought to advance the Gospel. Everything we do ought to be because we love people, because God loves us and gave His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is our model of humility. And He's teaching us that humility is being willing to serve to meet the needs of others all the way back to that basic and most important need. The need for forgiveness of sins. The need for a Savior. And so, I ask, do you want to experience real joy? Do you want to know real peace? Do you want to experience real unity in the church? If you do then the answer to how you experience this is in what Paul tells us about how Jesus lived. And it's how we're supposed to live. We must learn to have the heart of a willing servant. God calls on us to be willing servants, just as His Son was a willing servant. We need a heart that sees a need in the life of others and then seeks to serve to meet that need all the way back to that fundamental need of the gospel. 
And Jesus showed us that what this looks like when he served others. Such as when he washed the feet of his disciples. And Jesus speaks of this in John chapter 13 and verses 14 and 15 when he says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, and understand that, that he's talking about a whole lot more than foot washing here. But here's the example. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Fathom this. The creator of the universe on his hands and knees washing smelly feet. The thing we shudder at. Right? You want to wash my feet? No, you go, oh, no thank you, right? The God of the universe humbling himself. He says, this is your example. Not that you go around washing others' feet. But you serve willingly. Are you willing to become a servant for the sake of the Gospel, for the sake of Jesus Christ? We're not to be asking, how can I be served? What's in it for me? How can I have my needs met? Granted, we have needs. God does not deny those needs. He seeks to meet those needs and He serves to meet those needs. But the challenge is to our me-first mentality, isn't it? If we follow Christ's example of serving, if we humble ourselves as Christ humbled Himself, just as Jesus was willing to serve, so we are to be willing to serve. If we are to be followers of Christ, we will get this right. We will, we will be willing servants. And if we will serve, instead of asking how I can be served, if we'll follow Christ's example of serving, unity in the church will follow. Joy follows humility. You can, you can see it here in the Scriptures that Jesus' economy is totally upside down and backwards from this world in which we live. And we need to remember this. The enemy that we live in is not, the, the, the world that we live in is not our enemy. The world that we live in is not our enemy. But we have an adversary that drives this world. Satan drives this world to want to fulfill self. And we are taught and we are advertised to so that we might fulfill our selfish desires and wishes and felt needs. And God's economy flips that upside down in the example of Jesus Christ whom his followers are to follow. May this be our prayer. May this be our desire as God's church, as God's people, that we be filled as a church, filled with followers 
Believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, followers of Christ who have a servant's heart, each of us, beginning with our own heart. Careful not to head off into the direction of, I think so-and-so would become a better servant if they. We need to begin with ourselves. Our homes should be places where followers of Christ have a servant's heart. Husbands, wives, parents, children. Our schools, our workplaces, our neighborhoods should be places where followers of Christ are following the example of Christ. We learn humility through servanthood. Now note the third biblical principle, that when practice leads to humility, and that is sacrifice. Sacrifice. Look at verse 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Dr. J.H. Jowett says, ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. If there's to be any blessing, there must be some bleeding. He says, at a religious festival in Brazil, a missionary was going from booth to booth examining the wares. He saw a sign above one booth, cheap crosses. He thought to himself, That's what many Christians are looking for these days. Cheap crosses. My Lord's cross was not cheap. Why should mine be? He's right. We hear the biblical admonition to take up your cross and follow me, and we think, just a cheap cross, Lord. Nothing too weighty or heavy, please. And yet Jesus Christ made the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. He willingly laid down His life to pay the penalty for our sins. He suffered death on a cross, which was punishment in Rome reserved for those who were non-citizens and criminals and slaves. The worst of offenders. Death on a cross carried with it great shame. It was on a cross that Christ suffered. And His sacrifice makes it possible for those who believe in Him and trust in Him to be forgiven their sins and to inherit eternal life. Our salvation came at a great cost to our Savior. And there was nothing cheap about it. And now as followers of Christ, if we're to have any hope of unity in God's church, we must follow the example that He set. It needs to begin with us as individuals examining our own hearts before God. The Lord Jesus Christ was willing to sacrifice so much for us and He now calls on His people to sacrifice for one another 
for the sake of our unity, for the sake of the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ being advanced, for the sake of our joy. That's what we've been seeing from Paul in Philippians. He talks again and again about joy. Don't let this escape you. You think, if I, if I serve, if I become like a servant, I'm not going to be happy. Wrong. God gives you His joy when you humble yourself as His Son has. What will this sacrifice look like in the lives of God, God's people? I have one word for you. It's one that we commonly return to often. What will this sacrifice look like in the lives of God's people? One word. It's the one parents know and love. It's the one children hate. Obedience. And yet God knows as our Heavenly Father what's best for us. It's our obedience. Obedience, it's what Jesus models, in fact. I mean, consider this, that God in human flesh modeled obedience for us. As seen here in verse 8, Jesus humbled Himself by becoming obedient. Obedient to whom? To God the Father. It was the Father's will that Jesus surrender Himself willingly, serving sinners to the point of death, even death on a cross. Again, Charles Spurgeon says, there is no humility like obedience. Our Lord's way of humbling Himself was by obedience. You want to know when you've got humility? When you've got obedience. Jesus is our model And if there is to be any unity shown from our lives, and if there is to be any unity in our midst, then God's people must be obedient to God's Word. We must hold God's Word for ourselves, not just in our hands, but in our hearts, in our lives. It ought to shine from our lives that we have the Word, and the Word has us. God's people must be obedient to God's Word and be willing to sacrifice self, giving up what we think are our rights, giving up selfish desires, giving up those things that cost us our unity. Are we willing to be obedient to God? Are we willing to be obedient to His Word? Are we willing to sacrifice for the sake of others? Those are questions that we need to ask ourselves. Or is our own comfort more important to us? Jesus Christ demonstrated that His own comfort was not more important to Him than our salvation. Praise God. Jesus Christ exemplified humility for us. He surrendered His privileges to come to earth as a man. He came in humble circumstances to serve. Jesus Christ modeled true servanthood to us. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for sinners. And Jesus Christ is the greatest example of humility we have. So, beloved, let's follow His example. Let's surrender ourselves 
to His will being done in our lives. Let's surrender ourselves to meeting the needs of others. Let's surrender ourselves to servanthood and to sacrifice. Because if we will, I believe, we will have God's blessing of unity in our midst and we will see the gospel advance in the world that we live in here and now. And for that we'll be able to say, praise God from whom all blessings flow.